I um, t- t- can, t- can I change gears just a little bit? I have a. Yeah. You look nice today. A journal of emotional hygiene. Do you ever, when, when you're like at the airport and it's the waiting room at the airport or the waiting in front of the gate at the airport, um, and, and you know how it's it's full to the extent that there's a person in every other seat? Ugh. Do you break the... Do you break the seal and sit in between them, or or what's your solution for that? So many factors. I hate uh, human contact. Yeah, me too. I really, oh, absolutely. I really do. I walk into a room and I and I will I will choose the seat that's furthest away from anyone. Yeah. This is this is this is this is day one social psychology. Adam is if if there are two if there are like let's say there's 15 seats in a room and one person walks in and then another person walks in. It's the urinal situation, right? right. You're mm-hmm. always gonna right. autumn. There's a self selecting thing where we're always going to pick the, the most distance between us possible. My question to you, Adam, is have you ever gone and actually plopped your ass down awkwardly in a seat between two people? No, I'll stand. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I'll get close. I will sit. I'll go to a distant gate and make sure I know when the plane is taking off. That's that's one thing I'll definitely do. So that's, that's sort of my first question. My second question is you're at a food court. You're going to have to sit. All of the tables are taken, mm. but there are lots of singles. Yeah, your, your, your food's getting cold, and you've got to make a decision. The sec- yeah, yeah, there are a lot of secretaries there, a lot of um, you know, like security guards in their, in their lunch hour, a lot of people sitting by themselves. Um, there's plenty of space at their tables, but you, know, you have to share a table with someone. I had this yesterday, literally what yesterday. Do you do? N- not to change the topic, but yesterday I went to see a lawyer and got a wiener, and I had there were two tables. And they both had people at them. And I had to stand there and evaluate, you know, am I going to sit next to the two drywall guys who look like they want to hit me? Or like, you know, the nevish guy over here who's going to want to talk a lot. Right. God, it's a... You know, and that's a hard, that's a hard situation. You've got to make some kind of a, you know, decision. So I went in the restroom and I, and I ate it very quickly and I left <laughs> without, without even washing my hands. And you know, the nice thing about that solution, though, is that you can cry all at the same time. And there's no charge. cake this is a situation that actually comes up a lot in production like television or film production or something at certain point in the day everybody breaks for lunch and then the uh the camera department the departments tend to eat you know to to eat in their clicks roddy 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 mcdowell talked about this when they were making uh planet of the apes in 1968 uh what came out in 68 but he uh but he he said that that he noticed very early on that once they were in the makeup which was you know revolutionary makeup for the time that the orangutans would sit with the orangutans and uh the gorillas would sit with the gorillas i mean even even inside these are actors these are just people and even the extras would go and sit with with the people that were that were their species Uh well yeah they make the extras eat after everybody else it's this whole hierarchy thing. You feel really bad because they just kind of stand outside licking their lips. That's awful. So what is your solution, Adam, in a, in a situation like that where let's say you have this, some solo work to do on a set that day and you don't know anybody and they're all in their cliques and they're all taking up tables. So I generally just eat by myself. But, it, but there's something, I think there's something somewhat empowering about crossing that line to, to where you know I'm somebody who's very uncomfortable so, so the reason I ask about, you know, luggage and, and what people bring and the factors, you know, when you go to the airport, it's just like Muni. It's like any, you know, public transit. It's something where people are doing all kinds of things to 
with their body language and with the objects that they have establish enough of a deterrent that you would not challenge them to sit down. Right, so on public transit, this 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 means like you're like a big guy in rappy pants, and you've got really a wide stance. And I think there's, and I think that that uh, that happens at the airport. And I think it's very empowering to say in a, in a voice that is very loud and clear and like so friendly that it's clown like. Hi, could you move your bag so I can sit down? I like that too. And I wonder at the same time though if there's an opportunity here to sell something. Let's say a, a decision tree, a flowchart. Um, some sort of map that talks you through this this big matrix of decisions that you have to make fits in your wallet, but but picture it. You know, you, you're getting on the bus over there. There's a homeless guy in the corner who's muttering something to himself, but not holding any visible weapons. On the other side, there are two high school kids making out, and then over here, there's a family of 15 people uh, talking and laughing boisterously with one seat right in the middle. You get on the bus. You take your, I don't know what you call it, your, 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 uh, your, your, your travel uh, seat guide or something like that out of your wallet. You slowly unfold it uh, until it's about the size of uh, like an atlas. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, you, you, you go through the, the, the matrix of decisions that would really help you figure out which would be the best seat to sit in. Or maybe this is more of, a, of an electronic thing. I don't know. Do you do any gambling at all, Scott? Have you ever played blackjack at all? Sure, yeah. Well, you know, in, in blackjack, there's something called, called basic strategy. And it's not card counting. Hmm. It's nothing fancy. But basic strategy is, is this, this thing where you've got to just learn what all your odds are based on what's on the table. Oh, and I think right. what, you're de- what you're describing is basic strategy for seating, which is that you already know, like, should you hit on 16 right. with a 10 showing? Yes. Even if you think in your head it's a 10, you always hit. Because you have to, especially if they're showing a 10. Right. You've got, you got to hit, right? It's basic strategy. You learn what every combination of cards showing and in your hand means, and you make the same robot decision based on that. You're saying we give you a card that lets you make that kind of decision, even against your better judgment. Yep, that, that makes perfect sense to me, yes. Trust the card. Trust the card. Yeah, so maybe the card says, you know what? Given those three decisions, the homeless guy is your best bet. And it may not work out perfectly every time, but statistically speaking, mm-hmm. that's the place to sit. You know, t- today he might knife you, but I mean, I think over five years, the number of homeless guys you sit next to is like hitting on, it's like hitting on 16. It's like hitting on 16. It's a risk, but it's a calculated statistically. It's a smart risk, Scott. It's a very smart risk. Uh, boy, that's, that's a pretty big decision matrix, though. I mean, there are a lot of different types of people back to our back to our archetypes question mm. i think i think we have our own best you know arbiter of this right here i think i think arguably the uh, the, the the sultan of awkward is with us so so adam when you when you walk into hey how you doing <laughs> when you walk into a terminal and you see what amounts to a checkerboard of seats where it's just it's all alternating person seat person seat person seat person seat let's say you're really tired Maybe you had the runs all morning and now you're trying to stay hydrated. You want to sit down. You got luggage. You want to play with your iPhone for a while. What are the characters on this particular chessboard that you're going to be making evaluations about? I'm thinking there's lots of business guys on the, with the Bluetooth, reading the paper, have the, maybe have the ThinkPad out. And uh, I generally I don't think I want to sit by them just because I get it. Uh, it's, it's just everybody's a varying degree of whether I'm going to judge them or they're going to judge me. So I'm generally well, going to 
I'm going to pick the, pick the person that I think is going to judge me the least. And that's, that's who I think I'll sit down next to. Usually it'll be like a mother of four or something. Uh, because she's got a lot to deal with. See, I see you avoiding kids. I see you avoiding kids in my head. You, you're saying you would go, you would avoid like a douchebag with the uh, Bluetooth to go like be near children. Not necessarily children. Children are up and playing. Menacing packs of, 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 you know, sand people like children with sticky jelly hands and snot. <laughs> no, children are generally uh, accepting of me, I think. Like I, I, for some reason, we share the same mentality. And so... Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not uncomfortable around children mm. or their mothers who don't judge me. That makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I see it. I mean, I, I love the, this chessboard mentality. If I could take it one step further and stay more of like a, like a stratego mentality. Oh, it could be, it could be a bomb. It yeah, could be, could it be could a be a, a scout. Could be a spy, could be a brigadier general, any of these folks. And, and instead of a brigadier general. And you don't know until you step up and tap them. Exactly. You don't, you don't know who's really going to be chatty at the end of the day. Oh, it could good. be that guy in the Florida Gators baseball cap is looking down at the sports section right now. Yes. You know, he could look up at you and say, whoa, what's right. up? And, and, and the one guy that seems really straight up, like, could be a spy. This is why you need basic strategy. Usually I'll, I'll also, I'm just happening to remember, I'll also... In that situation, sit across from a hot girl if I can, just so I have something to look at. That's yeah. a great... I, I respect that. And frankly, I think you would do better at man school than I would because I avoid women mm-hmm. at all costs. Oh, I I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying... To... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to them. Mm. <laughs> you're just going like, to like, like, like stare at her feet? Like, what are you going to do? Feet? What do I care? Well, no, like, well, well, no, because if you stare, if you stare, well, no, but I mean, what are you going to stare at that's going to be like acceptable? Oh, direct, directly into their eyes. Uh, Just a man stare. Oh, that is, that is, you are, you are going to be teaching at a very, very high level at our school. Yeah. And probably, probably will have to be removed at some point. (laughs) That's a great strategy. The one thing I might do uh, that's a little bit different from that strategy, but it's the same sort of end goal. I'll sit, you know how the seats, the seat backs press against each other, so you'll often be literally three inches away from another person's head. I hate that that so much. Mm. Uh, But when it's a pretty lady with big hair, Mm. you know, you get that great, you get that great ambient waft of of herbal essence. I like that. So you'll just say you'll bury your head in in the hair behind you because you have every right to. Really, it's there. It's like like your neighbor's lawn. You can pick fruit from your neighbor's tree. Right. If it's hanging into your space, you know, if if this is something that is coming between my mailbox and the postman, then I've got a right to to cut it. Right. So if if this is hair that's hanging over onto my seat, I've got a right to cut it, uh, put it in a small Ziploc, and then smell it for four to five years. I, I, you know, we've been doing this show now for so many years. I forget if we've talked about this. Have we talked about my experience with, with the Diplomacy Club? Have we talked about this? <laughs> I think we talked very briefly about it, and we looked at a picture. The, the thing that's amazing about Diplomacy is that it makes, like, Dungeons & Dragons seem, like, mundane in its level of, like, perfunctory rulemaking. Now, like, when you say diplomacy, you mean, like, real-world There's a game called diplomacy. Negotiation. Like, like oh. Model and, and United Nations? Is it di- like here, Here's the deal. Some, if memory serves, I have not played this in 30 years. But um, diplomacy is a game where everybody's a country. And every country has so many armies and so many navies, except for Russia... Um, and Russia gets an extra navy, if memory serves. And the board, I'm going to probably remember all of this wrong. The board represents pre-World War I Earth. And everybody's a country. 
and the game consists of rounds of play. And in those between those rounds of play, you go and you talk to other people hmm. and you make deals. And then you write orders on a piece of paper. And your order may be what you agreed with somebody that you're going to do, or it could be something different. It's like the original like reality, you know, show under, you know, kind of mean survivor kind of game. And then it's just, <laughs> you then everybody reveals their orders and you find out whose armies and navies get destroyed as a result of duplicity. And that's it. That's pretty much it. There's no dice. There's a board and there's countries and there's armies. And then you just screw your friends. And that's the entire game. <laughs> Playing time, two to 16 hours. That's awesome. That sounds to me like a game, if there was a game called School, where the object was just to play school and learn things, that sounds <laughs> like something I would be interested in. I'm a professional voice actor. So we've got a fan who runs uh, the photo development department for Walgreens. So he manages all of the uh, photo development section, the you know photography film sales and, and photography development stuff. That's going to be a huge growth area over the next probably 30 years. Well, here's the problem. That's for a long time been a, been a big moneymaker for pharmacies and supermarkets and big stores like that. Uh, and, of course, it's dying. And even though they've tried to install digital print stations and things like that in all of their stores, it hasn't really by any means made up for, for the you know, voluminous loss right. of uh, people developing films of, of, of poorly taken pictures. And so this guy is a huge fan of the show. He thinks we're really funny. He likes all three of us. He, um, and, you know, he, he has great things to say about both of you guys. Uh, I won't bore you with them. He's got a lot of great things to say about me. Um, I wrote those down and sent you all an email about, about those, those things. Hmm. Um, but to cut to the chase, he's offered us jobs um, in the photo development section of the Los Altos Walgreens just Ugh. to start, to sort of test it out. And what we'll do is get the pictures. So somebody will develop the pictures. We don't have to do any of that. Um, but what we'll do is then take a, a grease pencil or dry erase marker or something like that and write funny captions on the photos. And what he feels is that this would be a value add for people who are getting their you know, photos developed uh, at, at that particular Walgreens. What do it, you guys think? It becomes, it becomes a little bit like a fortune cookie. We're like, you know, you're not really that into the cookie to begin with, but it's got a piece of paper in it about your life. Exactly. So, you know, people probably wouldn't, you know, give a whole roll of film to be developed normally, but if it can add that extra element of, you know, let's say uh, a hastily written thought bubble over their head that says, erm, you know, something like that, then then they might come in and, and, and develop their photos with that store. It's an interesting strategy. I don't know. It might be helpful if they actually, if the person bringing in the film to develop would give us a little story or a little personal information about the subject of the photograph. Otherwise, we're just, we're going to have nothing to go on. Or just, just even a better understanding of what they fear in life. I like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think I think when you understand, when you it's it's, it's like I say, you know, uh, you, you can't really entertain a child and you, until you understand uh, what delights them and, and what terrifies them. And I think it's true really for your customer, too. So what you're saying is that instead of just coming in and anonymously dropping off this envelope full of uh, 400 roll film, they would instead book a consultation session with us? Could could be. It could be that there's just a, a small box 
on the outside of the uh, increasingly outmoded uh, package that they put it in, where they would just have some remarks, say, you know, uh, what's on and off the table. Right. Right? So, so, like, so Susie, like, Susie is afraid of snakes, and then we can just write, uh, like, like behind Susie, ah, like, look, look out, snakes. Or, like, I'm trying to lose weight. And you go, check me out, looking good. Right. And we do that in grease pencil. I, you know, I like this, and I think it's a terrific start because I think I think the thing is up till now, people have seen it's what uh, it's it's what uh, it's what uh, what's his name, Marshall McLuhan. He calls it a, he calls it a, a cool medium because there's no yeah. way normally to write in grease pencil on it. And I think right. what we're saying is this becomes an interactive experience that that like TV becomes something that you get very involved with. And so and so I think what we say is you come in and you bring us pictures. And uh, maybe what happens is you bring us pictures of people you, you, you don't like, and we make them very awkward for the other people. I think, And then yeah. they pay to come in and be, be removed from what amounts to blackmail material. And that way you get return customers. They're, they're, they're buying other things. They're buying uh, relaxing uh, uh, you know, slate waterfalls, index cards, watches, weight loss plans. It's, I think they're filling a basket just to come in and get themselves out of the photo. I love that idea, and I think that it, it points to one aspect of this that I hadn't yet thought of, and that's that we would get all kinds of interesting uses of our particular offering. So so you're saying that this might crop up in different places? Well, no, all I'm saying is that, well, well, just to start at least, like you say, some folks might, might uh, be interested in some sort of casual blackmail. And so they would bring in photos of, of their enemies and have us write ridiculous things about them on the, on their photos of blackmail. Sure. Um, I, I I can't even envision the other sort of uses that people would put oh, to this. Oh, it's, it's, it's endless. You have to understand, what is it that, I mean, let's be honest, marketing today, in order for it to be useful, has to really have lightning focus and precision on, on, on a very small group of people to be, to be effective. So we could, for example, just focus on people who like to take pictures of newscasters on the screen and then masturbate to them. And what we do is we come in and we take those photos and we probably do a little bit of unsharp mask because, you know, you were kind of nervous, right? Mm-hmm. Understandable. Right. Sure, sure. Right? We're going to make it pop, give it a little edge. Yep. You take know? the red eye out, I guess, probably too. Maybe. Well, I wouldn't call it red eye. But we're, we're definitely going to make it easier to masturbate to. And then we take a pencil and we, maybe we make a target. Or we say, you're so dirty, in quotes, or um, here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. (laughs) 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 That Al Roker, he's lost a lot of weight. He looks good. He looks fantastic. I um, I had a I had a friend I had a friend and I'm by friend I mean a woman that I had um, who worked at uh, a drugstore and uh, processed photos and a father of another person that we went to school with a couple times a week would bring in a, you know a nice kind of 16 exposure of all headshots of a lady from the local NBC news news um, are you. S- like literally taken from the TV? No, literally, literally, like with the little like lines and everything. It was, uh, it was. I think her name was Gail Searins, and she was on the uh, the NBC network in uh, Tampa Bay. And uh, he would basically bring in, just really very comfortable with bringing in a roll of film of pictures <laughs> of his television. The amount of amazing material an anthropologist working at a photomat could have collected, yeah, anywhere up to and including two thousand and two. Well, you, so you should talk to our super fan because our super fan will tell you something 
because you're, you're close to him and he likes you better than Adam and me, will tell you something that everybody I've ever known who worked anywhere near photo processing will tell you, which is that each one of them has an awesome album that they don't tell anyone about. <laughs> I had a friend uh, who visited a friend of mine at college, and he had been doing this for years, and he was a very creative, interesting guy. And he brought, he brought his album. And there was a lot going on. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No. See, the thing is, when everybody says they want to be around naked people and that makes them all happy and horny, I want to show them this book. Because there's a lot of nudity going on in America that's just really doesn't need to be recorded. Right. Right. And and a lot of it is people who uh, kind of look like your mom, but 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 not as cute and, and really not as concerned with grooming. So maybe in those cases, to get back potentially this idea no let's make it about the money we can definitely make this about the money i mean let's put let's put clothes on these people oh let's draw draw pants so maybe somebody i'm just tossing this out this is just completely random blue sky solutioneering but maybe somebody like a diane von Furstenberg comes to us and says that in conjunction with the long-running relationship that i have with american express i would like you to dress all of these obese lonely people in, in my in the designs uh, that, that I've chosen in fabulous haute couture and they're beautiful print patterns maybe maybe like in like a like kind of like a, a very flattering uh, air of legere kind of mummy look or maybe like a Terry Moogler kind of like you're a leather motorcycle person uh, we could do that that that's something we could do with grease pencils yeah yeah I think I think that's all it would take I mean, do you know what, do, would... do you know what that adds what value And finally, uh, is Adam still on the call? I just want to check. I'm here. I am, look. guys. Hey, hey, how are you? How, are you? how is everybody? God, I'm on tonight. I'm doing yaka, really yaka, yaka. funny things for the show. So, Adam, quick question: If you, if you, let's say you owned a yacht, let's say you owned a really big yacht, hmm. and let's say you threw a party, and let's say that everybody's out on the deck having a party, and you haven't yet stepped onto the deck yet because you're waiting to make your grand entrance. How would you emerge from the master quarters making a grand entrance at your own party on your own yacht? Um, God, Alfred Molina and Boogie Nights comes to mind. That's how I like just, you know, like basically tidy whities open kimono, uh, flip-flops, and... Oh, okay, gotcha. That's awesome. So like the... Tons of coke. Tons of coke. uh, The jaded, uh, seen-it-all guy who's you know he he owns everybody at the party everybody has to be nice to him that yeah. kind of thing yeah do you think that um do you think that i mean well i'm just gonna say that you know when you take off your shirt uh don't all of the other yachts in the in the uh at the dock lose satellite reception because I'm, I'm, and this is just this is purely scientifically, no, but just, you're pretty hairy, fact. right? It's just a statement. It's not a mean thing. Yeah, no, no, it's it's. I mean, you're you're quite a hairy person. I thought that that sort of screwed up the. It's like, the it's, like it's like a compliment, really, but but mean. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you might want to close the road because people might have to talk to each other over no, uh, but that's using the radio point. waves. Uh, what like even if they're my friends, where uh, are they going to yep. go? They're on a yacht. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, friends. It's a great point. I would love to see you in that role in fact i think that's a totally viable uh potential career path for you 
is to play like the. I was born for that role, and I think it's really going to happen in, in a good ten years' time. So you'd be I like, think it like, totally you, is. He, like you'd be like here, suit guy entering a room. That would be your credit. Oh no, um, no, I mean he would be. I think he would be pretty pretty important to the movie. It's he wouldn't be some sort of unnamed extra. Like, I think that Adam would be really great at that that kind of role in a sort of leading character kind of way. It's, it's kind of, because already I'm reminded of like a Marx Brothers kind of thing. There's a lot of Marx Brothers movies that some of my favorite Marx Brothers movies involve some scene where a lot of the characters are introduced literally by being introduced. And I'm thinking here of something like uh, Duck Soup and, uh, and um, uh, Animal Crackers where like there's literally someone announcing people and you're coming in. And and this could be this could be something that Adam does you know potentially for a living. He could be like the the, the Zeppo of chest hair. Well, if I can make one quick suggestion, your your trademark um, accoutrement would maybe not be chest hair, um, but more like Groucho's mustache uh, might be Transitions brand prescription indoor outdoor sunglass lenses <laughs> like if you're the guy who's always wearing transitions like it comes out into uh, the sun scott, and literally scott scott just stop is this we talked about this didn't we you're you're, you're doing that thing we talked about you're you're, you're doing a pup are you doing a product placement right now oh i was it too hot uh, was it was it weird was it weird it was it was a little bit i don't know i'm, I'm gonna defer to adam because he's the one who was who was harmed by it but it felt a little inorganic to me Guys, we're getting a seventy-five percent CPM on this. Yeah, there's money to be made. I don't even You're, care. You were getting butt of the joke. The next time it'll liter- be one of you. Next time it'll probably yeah. be me. Let's be honest. But next time it could be one of you. We're, we're getting. Uh, we're, you're telling me that as we speak, when you mention Transitions brand lenses, we're making seventy-five percent CPM. Well, I'm saying that we get seventy-five dollars per one thousand listeners. Literally every time we yeah. say the entire phrase, Transitions brand. Indoor outdoor prescription lenses. Are these the ones that change? Are these the, the lenses that change based on the light? They're the they're the uh, lenses that transist based on the light. Yes. Oh, so so they put up a fight. Well, the great thing about it is that you can wear them anywhere. Basically, you can wear them indoor, outdoor. They transition uh, in f- f- with your life, basically. Because I'm I'm ready for transitions, and I think um, most of our right. listeners are too. Now, Adam, do you have actual transitions len- lenses? Like, is that sure what you, I do? Is that, are you is kidding? That, really? Even when I take my glasses off, I have. Uh, another pair of trans- robot lenses yeah transitions robot lenses and all my clothes are transitions i love it i love the shit out of transitions. yeah people think that people think that transitions that the word transitions refers to their unique chemical property right. to be able to change from clear to uh semi uh clear and and uh, uh sunglasses based on the amount of available well UV i don't i don't light. know how it works but i i'm just glad it does right. you know i mean like it's no it's, <laughs> yes it's high tech you know I think, I think i would describe it as healthy sight in every light i like that the but but what i was gonna say is that it's not did you know that in fact transitions are not, the word transitions is not derived from their ability to quickly transist from clear to sun uh, protecting from the harmful UV rays uh, in just a few seconds. Huh. Yeah. It actually comes from uh, their ability to guide you through the many and confusing changes of menopause. You're saying you put these glasses on and all of a sudden you get a little warm and uh, things become clearer. No, what I'm saying is when you put these glasses on and you go through menopause... They help you navigate the many and complex changes that are happening to your body and emotional state. 
So they're hormonal correction glasses. You're seeing things more clearly, if you like. That's exactly right. So Adam, for example, um, who's somebody who's going through para-male menopause, that's what early male menopause is called. Mm -hmm. Uh, Merlin, you are too, and actually I am as well. Yeah. Um, We can all be helped by wearing transition strength indoor-outdoor lenses. I think of it as healthy sight in every light. Yeah, I think you. I think you might have. That's trademark. Just so you know. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be great if if you had to say that's trademark? Just so you know, at the end of every trademark phrase. <laughs> Brought to you by Carl's Jr. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This has been "You Look Nice Today," featuring Lonely Sandwich, Scott Simpson, and Hot Dogs Ladies. Thank you. That's good. That's good. That's good. And I, and I think well, the thing is, because this is a conversation, would you agree, Adam, this is a conversation? Mm-hmm. 